0: what up y'all welcome back to another episode of the blacktop podcast all the boys are back the boys are back in town whatever it may be boys how we doing
1: oh the three musketeers are back Together, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't know. It's good times to see us all together again, man. But <clears throat> I'm doing good, busy as hell as usual. I'm sure Chin is too, man. This guy's been busy as hell with school. Like, got an exam every two weeks, yo. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm just. I've just been busy. I've been good. I've been good. I haven't been keeping up with basketball all that much, to be honest. Been a bit of That's a casual. Okay.
0: Fan, That's but... okay. That's okay. Let's hop into it right though, but for today's episode, we got a few superlatives. Uh, For some of them, obviously, like, you know, most surprising player, disappointing player, the best story, and so on and so forth. But before we get to that, y'all, does Kevin Durant got a weak-ass ankle or what? Nah, not to poke fun, but man, did y'all see the video? He just took a little tumble. I mean, I did see his ankle turn a little bit, but I heard he's in like a boot. It was like a two yeah, week yeah. Actually, like, if you
1: look at the screenshot. His his ankle was literally
0: well, like, like kind of floppy. it was a full turn. Oh
1: shit! It was a full turn. It was bad, but the thing is, like, he actually continued to do his pregame routine after that, and I guess it started oh. to swell up afterwards. But he's out for at least two to three weeks, I believe. Yeah,
0: so that's like that's pretty much till the end of the regular season, right? Because there's what um, maybe twenty at most to... games.
1: Well, the, the play that... end starts on the 13th, I think, or the 12th, right? Or no, 10th. No, I think it's the 10th. So he's got, like, let's say three yeah, like weeks couple, from now. A couple
0: more weeks?
1: He'll have, he'll, like, let's say three weeks from now, best case scenario. He'll come back a week before playoff time.
0: That's a little shaky, man. That's shaky. That's tough. Yeah.
1: Because this is the time you want to use to build chemistry. But, like, yeah, it's tough.
0: Because, yeah, and like, they've been cooking whenever you, I mean, quick reactions i know it like already happened but man that mavs game we need a seven game series of that man we need that instant instant hood classic fireworks
1: the star power in that in, in in that matchup is gonna be big time but like yeah man kevin durant is like the ultimate uh how do you what do you call this like he um That's the safe option where it's like, yeah, you guys don't know what what you want to eat, but you know that one place that you can always go to and you can always rely on? It's like, that's Kevin Durant, man.
0: (laughs) True, 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 true. He's that
1: guy. That is true.
0: But nah, I mean, that game alone, I'm not going to lie. That's up there for probably like the best game of the entire like regular season, low key. If you like think about, I mean, because what other big ones were there? I'm not gonna lie. I I think the the Kings and Clippers one was kind of mid, for for as much as it was like oh the high scoring thing. Fact of the matter was they weren't playing any fucking defense.
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah, I don't think there was a very very much defense played. I, I can't put that up there. Um, there have been so many other games building in that one this year. I mean, just because it's high scoring doesn't mean it's a very good game. Mm.
0: But well, no, let, let's uh let's let's get into the real stuff. Cause you know, obviously prayers go to Kevin. Hopefully he's back there. Cause yeah, again, like like I mentioned earlier, that team is super duper scary, fully healthy when you look at it. The way they've been operating, you know, on paper is one thing, but it's been what, maybe two or three games we see them actually operate, and it's uh whew, looking looking very, very efficient, I will say. I think that's the best word.
1: Yeah, I mean they're healthy now for the most part. So I feel like they can like they can probably just uh, stay afloat. If they can stay afloat four, five, six, they're fine. And then oh, yeah. whenever they get K D back in the building. Because like whoever's gonna end up playing Phoenix in the first round is not gonna have a good time. Oh.
0: I think all I don't know how the loss impacts them, but right now I think it's uh it's them and the warriors, right? From what I remember. Well
1: let's yeah, let's do this end things. Let's look at it real because... If I'm remembering. Yeah, so correctly. the Suns are the Suns
2: are fourth right now. Yeah, yeah. Clips are fifth. The Warriors. Oh, move. Warriors oh, dropped to sixth. Can it you imagine sixth. the
1: Clippers? Clippers, Suns. Oh Warriors man! Oh Mavericks, man! Frisch, like, I don't want to see the Timberwolves in the, the top eight, man. That's a boring ass matchup. They're
0: gonna get their wow. ass clapped.
1: There's a lot of movement. Hey, I just realized the Lakers are now ninth.
0: Yeah, everybody is what like oh, a yeah. maybe three games at most apart, if that.
1: Yeah, if I'm yeah, fun looking correctly, brutal. um, I mean the Blazers are, if you're looking at the 8th seed particularly, they're two and a half games back of the 8th seed. That's the 13th seed Blazers. Like, the West is mad. This, The West is insane.
0: I love it, man. That that means all these games mean that much more. You know what's you know what could be crazy. As great as the in is, we could be looking at like the last week of the season, and it's like completely do or die like lose one game and you're out kind of thing it's like a game seven every every like game almost pretty much
1: i remember when, i remember when that used to matter too yeah it's like a team was like 41 and 40 they needed the win so they can be 42 and 40 and that would get them in i think that's what uh, if i remember correctly. actually that's what happened to the Raptors in 2010 where they lost the last game um and uh oh no sorry there's another team that won and they won, but literally half game apart, right? So if they had won a previous game before that, and this team dropped one, like, they would have made the 8th seed. Anyways, like, it's just cool to see, like, how, like, these these small games, like, you would think before, 82 games is a lot. Usually there's a huge gap between 8 and 9, or 10 and 8 or whatever, but not anymore.
0: Oh, yeah, man, it's amazing. Love to see it. Moving on from there, though, I mean... The, the one thing we're going to talk about before we get into the superlatives, man. Reuben, brother. L- l- let's hear you talk about the officiating and the Raptors, man.
1: Yeah, you know what? The, this has been a league-wide problem too, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like this has been a league-wide problem. Um, let's start it with this. I think Fred's rant about like how there's... He started off by saying Ben Taylor is a horrible official or had a horrible night. Um, He had a horrible night officiating. There's a lot of missed calls and or calls that were, you know, phantom calls most of the time. You guys Mm -hmm. know what that means. Um, And then he went on to say, most nights between the three officials, there's a guy or two like to just completely screw up the game. Um, And that's happened to the Raptors two games in a row now between Denver where Scott Foster throws out Scotty. Well, he calls a phantom call um, with, uh, if I can't remember, is it Aaron Gordon in the post against Jakub Pertl there? Um, I think
0: so. Yeah. Somebody, somebody game. was in the post there.
1: And it was just kind of, it's a bump, bump game. It's super close. Uh, it's one of it's, that was actually a really fun game to watch. And then, you know, I think Scotty Barnes is, he's like talking to himself and Scott, Fo- Scott Foster goes, get out, throws him out. There's not a warning tech at all. He just boots him out the game. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna
0: lie, not to cut you off, I feel like he probably said, like, yeah, yeah. fuck me, Scott, something like that, but, like, obviously inferring he, to himself.
1: Yeah, and of course, like, he probably said his own name, like, mm. y'all have the same name, like, yeah, that's that's a good thing to bring up. It really depends on what he said, and it could have been completely misconstrued as, like, oh, are you talking to me, fam? Like, you know what I mean? You fast forward, obviously that call kind of affects the game, because you throw out a guy, technical free throws, and then you lose your, one of your... your your main guys to end the game, Clippers game, third quarter, it's really tight. Fred gets called for technical. BS technical by the way, because he said in his press conference, if you all haven't watched it, he goes, literally, I just told all my guys to fight through the BS. And he got called for a tech. So that's an issue if you can't even talk to your team with a little bit of passion. (laughs) And that changed the complexion of the game, which is what he said. I think the Clippers went on a massive run. They were up by double digits at one point in the third quarter before the Raptors had to make their fate comeback again, and that was a pretty competitive game all the way through to the end. Um, and you would like to think if it wasn't for that tech, maybe that's still as close as a game heading to the fourth quarter, and you could flip a coin at that point. Um, but this is this is the thing that's to be said. Marcus Smart, this is what I wanted to say offline. Marcus Smart addressed Fred's comments today and how like he's leading the. Um, the the team in fouls or he's in foul trouble as of late and he said listen man y'all heard Fred Van Bleed's comments right I'm gonna let him do all the talking and it's true because I'm sure Bucks fans Celtics fan right here you watch your game and you go like what is a ref doing
0: no they they definitely they they definitely ref reputation rather than like concrete this is the call kind of thing
1: that's definitely one of the biggest things. The other big thing that I wanted to bring up is refs are definitely calling games because they want to be the center of attention. They think that they can, they can um, change the complexity of a game and the intensity because, sure, naturally they're part of a game. But you shouldn't have direct impact on the outcome. You should only be calling it as you see it. Reputation calls, Phantom calls, guys going, Hey, oh foul like dude, the dude just said A, hey, but it's a clean strip. Or um uh makeup calls. That's one of the things I hate oh, the man.
0: most. Yeah.
1: Like a dude gets fouled down there, but you make it up on the next position and it's not even that bad of a call. And there are these things where it's like you're playing in game politics between um Fan happiness, player happiness, coaches yelling at you. And again, we're not in those positions, so we can't sit here and be like, oh, reffing's the easiest job possible. You just got to run around and watch these guys. No, you're watching a game that's really fast in real time, and you don't see the angle of the game like we do. Like If you watch it on broadcast, even from a basketball perspective, you can say, oh, man, he should have cut there. He had a wide open corner. But when you're in the game, you don't see that because you just see a bunch of heads. Hmm. More often than not unless you're a guy like that's why people talk about size and being so big as you can see over the defense you can see things happening like but anyways like that's besides the point like refs so often lately at least the past couple years have been getting involved and have been directly impacting whether a game is lost or won by a certain team especially in crucial moments like how many times are we seeing these stupid calls and it's like, dude, like, if that wasn't called at that point. Like, you could say, oh, like, most, a lot of these players say the right things. Like, oh, you know, we got outplayed. Oh, we should not put ourselves in that position. Like, twenty, like hindsight's twenty twenty. You look at that call, you take it away. The game's a different outcome. I don't care how you want to say it. Like, you can say all you want. Like, it, it, ifs, ands, or buts, like, it's the same thing. You might be like, oh, well, you know, Ruben, what if that wasn't called? Then maybe they blew with them out at that point. But I don't know so I just think there are way too many calls and way too many refs that are directly impacting like how a game looks and how it's being played because um, they just I don't I don't know what it is like do they want to like they're power tripping Fred Van Vliet said that they're power tripping maybe they just want to feel like they're involved in the game they're more important than what they actually are I don't know but there's definitely there definitely needs to be some cleanup happening at least in the NBA officials thing.
0: Yeah, I mean to speak to that. They they do the whole two minute report at the end of every game.
1: Oh my and god, it's the that's,
0: worst thing in the it's world. It's just man. like, it's just like one of those "my bad, I fucked up" kind of things. But there's there's no real repercussions. I mean, no,
1: the, there's not. It was
0: Eric Lewis in the the Celtics game, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, we already yeah. talked about it. How tight the West is. Can you imagine how like screwed you'd feel as a Lakers fan if you miss out on the play-in or the playoffs by like a single game? What? Knowing that there's that one there that you know, call it how you want. We got a Celtics fan here, but that was a
1: foul.
2: Nah, the Celtics should sure lost that game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> get that game, bro. I'd be capping. It was so a clear hard.
1: slap. Yeah, it was a pretty clear slap. And the refs right there. Um It's interesting because it's like you have the two minute report, but why do we have instant replay if we're not gonna utilize it properly? I, right? like, I, I think know, that's I the double-edged double
0: like, double sword, double-edge sword of the challenge, because, like, challenges yeah. this, this the, that area, right? I, I think they, there's definitely things they can tweak about it. Like, I mean, yeah. they already talked about how if you win it, you should be able to keep you it, keep it. Yeah, which I, I use, think is a yes. step in the right direction. But, you know, the whole thing was, like, you know, we don't want to slow down the pace of the game, which I agree to an extent, but, yeah. you know, you shouldn't sacrifice speed for integrity to that extent. And, I mean... You know, as, as as much as it does slow it down, you know, the right call's gotta be the right call at the end of the day, I feel.
1: You wanna know my counterpoint to that too? Let's hear it. Is the game is the game's being played or not counterpoint, but I guess to supplement to what you're saying is the game is being played the fastest it's ever been played. And no, we I agree. know this. Yeah. Like the game the game is slowing down because of these calls closer to the end of the game. And I think these guys would rather get the call right than, you know, than have to worry about, oh, the game is slower. Like, we're just taking another break in between. Mm. Like, um, so I don't know. I think, I think for me, we, we should always make sure that we're getting the correct call. That should prevail over anything else. Because if there's anything that's ruining the integrity of the game, so to speak, Scott Foster said the other day with whatever the hell Scotty Barnes said, he said, oh, well, Scotty said something that was ruining the integrity of the game. If we're just going to let, like, calls that should be called, like, go, that's ruining the integrity of the game. Because that means we're not calling it correctly. Um, So, yeah, we definitely got to clean up. That two-minute report, like, I'm not telling guys to be, like, to be fired from their jobs. But I don't know, like, maybe there's, like, for that two-minute report... This is why, like, sometimes I think about it. It's an extreme situation, but it'd be cool if there was a point system in the NBA from wins and losses, like how hockey does, kind of. Because then, like, oh, yeah. maybe like games to an report. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I think there's something there from a rewarding system that could still affect your standings. And after a two-minute reports that they should have been fouled, I don't know. Like, that's an extreme cause. Um, Adam Silder brought up that they might bring in like a Hawkeye. So that if a player steps out of bounds, there's things like automatic calls, which is kind of a cool system because then if a team, if a player automatically steps out of bounds and they call that, there's less human error. But anyways, there's a lot of cleaning up that has to be done, but I think making sure the call is right the first time, like and then you know not having to worry about a stupid ass two minute report, Oof, yeah. I'm all for that.
0: Yeah, I mean to cut the refs a little bit of slack. I think it's really hard to ref this form of basketball compared to like, oh, yeah. there. There's no no real foul baiting, and you know. Even even now with like, the whole uh, depending on your shot form, if you're like kicking your leg out purposefully, now that you get called for that on offensive foul, and
1: it's so it, you
0: get a, you get a lot of subjectivity in this realm of like, basketball that's supposed to be completely objective. So yeah, I I think that's where you kind of got to give a little bit of slack, not completely cutting them down from like, you know, being irresponsible to an extent, but it is hard to ref basketball nowadays because, you know, so much of it, there's so much, like we always talk, think about players' bags, you know, how are they going to get their offensive off? And and a lot of that now, like, I mean, look to Chris Paul, Trey Young, Marcus Smart, you know, a, a lot of it now is in the form of like, how am I going to be able to get the refs' attention in order for them to, like, for sure make that call? That's why you hear a lot of guys yelling screaming. So, it's, there. there's a lot of things that need to be done. But I, I also feel for what it is right now with how they have to basically make these bang-bang bang plays. Yeah, you, yeah. you got to take the good with the bad to an extent.
1: I was going to ask you guys, let's say you had all the resources in the world. And no matter what your idea was, the NBA would say yes to implementing it. What would you do or add to the game to change or help officiating?
0: I, I would implement something like the sky cam in, in football where there's a guy, you know, they already have in the Secaucus to look back at all those angles. I, I think you so need a guy back. to be looking that like in real time, you know, that, I mean, we have the real the gaps during like the shooting fouls and whatnot, anyways. So I, I don't think it'd be like a real, real big like problem to implement a thing where it's like a quick little, oh, not a foul. all right, keep going kind of thing. I think something like that it for sure needs to be implemented, no doubt.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same board with DJ. Like, there, I think it's all, in a lot of the major sports now, where there's like like whether it be even in like soccer, like I, English football, like the var system Mm, of like being able to like know like if something is passing the goal line like if that technology exists within like that realm of sports there's no reason why like we shouldn't be able to like have a more detail-oriented view of like if something is a foul or not like they can definitely strategically set up any sort of like i don't know camera-based system to understand like if like there is like something they specifically need to see like if that is a foul because it seems right now like the NBA is just behind in that like in terms of using modern day technology to actually like have the game like accurate as possible um but yeah I it's pretty much along the same lines as DJ I feel like it's the only way the game can improve
1: yeah I agree with you both I was gonna say a fourth guy like who's even like during like you said in between um, breaks, like he's looking at replays of calls, or he's watching the broadcast moment, and he's like, mic'd up with all the other three reps on the floor at the moment, to be like, hey guys, like, uh, that was an out, or maybe some sort of automatic call system where maybe it's not like the Skycam or a Hawkeye, because maybe that technology is really hard to implement, even though probably not, because I mean, football, American football and English football, it's like, it's already yeah, it feels like the NBA still behind, right? But um, someone that can make the automatic call. So you see a dude step out of bounds, or you see that travel happen real time, and you go, and then there, I don't know, there's something in the arena that lets a whistle off. I don't know, something like that. But I definitely think there needs to be more eyes on the game that are making calls, uh, who are making decisions and doing this whole Secaucus thing just in the last two minutes. You know, like, oh, we're gonna go to the replay. Like, I think, I think. You can speed that up if you had a guy real time doing it as those things happened.
0: That's I mean, just, they always know, cut like to it. it. It looks like they got, like, the facility to do it. Yeah. You know, whenever we're looking at yeah. Steve Chavy, it's like there's, like, 15-plus screens in that room. But, I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, players associations are all in those talks. We talked about it earlier, the whole challenge thing. So I, I wouldn't say we're too far off of uh, stuff like that being, like, cemented and fully implemented into the league for sure. Yeah. But alrighty, heading from there. So we got a few superlatives to go through, you know, let, let's start out right here. Most surprising player who who y'all got.
2: I think I was
1: thinking about these, man. Like, you, you go ahead. Shin. Let's hear it.
0: Shin.
2: I mean, I think when I hear the word surprising, I think it just, I put into consideration like, just how much this player has stood out uh, when considering the outcomes and like kind of their current situation. But I think it's got to be Larry Markkinen. I mean, I did not expect a whole like 10, almost 10 point per game jump. Like, I think like you obviously see a lot of potential in players to like make substantial leaps. And like, I think even when he was in Cleveland last season, he had a lot of like big moments for them. Um, But considering he's in his sixth season, I don't think you kind of expect a player to... Like, that's, you know, been kind of a consistent man through the, I guess, like, through the association for the last five years to, like, kind of really go from, like, you know, substantial role player to, like, all-star level, like, out of thin air after, like, yeah, playing five previous seasons. I think... I, I wouldn't say that I would discount, like, any of his skills that he... Has it all, but I didn't expect him even traveling to Utah to be like that guy in Utah. Like to be honest, I I came into the since coming out thinking it was gonna be Colin Sexton. That's my my yeah my, my.
0: Nah, I heard that, but I thought Colin Sexton was gonna be like one of their like little little I thought, candidates.
2: yeah, I yeah. thought he was gonna be the
1: man in Utah, yeah, and then he he, he not even start the season, you know, starting like he was coming off the bench. Like, that's crazy.
2: yeah, sorry. am I ah uh, fuck. am I back yeah <laughs> oh my God, sorry uh, my wife has a cutting in um real quick though. I think SGA is another one like not to say like he obviously isn't wasn't at that level but I think he's just been at another level this year and I didn't really expect him to be the person but I'm glad he is um and then the other one I think like this is not again a huge surprise but it's surprising I think in the circumstance like I do think Jokic to see him still playing at the level he is like with everyone back, I think that is a surprise in itself. Like yeah. to see um, MPJ back and to see Jamal Murray fully healthy, playing you know 32 minutes, 35 minutes a game. Like I think it's a testament to like how good he really is. Like they're the first seed in the West, and he's still putting up you know pretty much identical numbers to what he was doing last year in his MVP season. And I think. I expected those numbers to drop personally, like when the ball is being shared a lot more with players that are like much more or like heavy on the ball. Like I think he's just gets it done no matter what, you know? Um, but yeah. Those are my three. I mean, they're all like all star caliber players, but I think they all kind of have had surprising stories this year.
0: I feel that. I feel that. Uh, I, I feel like the only thing that I would probably push back on is the Shea one. Cause I don't know. I I feel like he showed like the glimpses of it last year, but the only reason we didn't really get to play, see full it, season. yeah, yeah, that's the main yeah. thing. And he and even now, man. He's getting load managed.
1: I know, I know, I know, I know. But it's still, crazy, man. You know, you're, you're right, though. You're right, though.
0: I mean, OKC as a whole, you could probably loop like five plus guys onto this thing. I mean, I think this is a perfect segue for me. The the one person I kind of just chose to show some love to, uh. Isaiah Joe, man. Diamond in the rough. You hear that thing. Mm -hmm. Opportunity is everything. And now he's a guy that looks like he's a part of the nice little core they got going on there. I mean.
1: Making the most of his opportunity. Yeah.
0: Thinking about what what they're going to head into the next season with. Shea, obviously. Giddy is. I think Giddy is a guy that hasn't really been getting a lot of love, too, with how good he's been in his sophomore year. I mean, Jalen Williams is making this, like, late kind of rookie of the year whatever kind of push he's looking real solid I mean that whole squad is looking really really nice to the point where I I don't want to say they're competing or anything next year definitely not but plan I feel like is almost a floor for their for what on what is on paper right now and I think Isaiah Joe is a guy who's going to be a big part of that now he's not going to average like 20 points or anything like that but you know he's somebody that's able to generate just enough gravity to where when you got Shea out on the court, he's able to operate a lot more easier. Playing with a point guard like Josh Gadey is going to get him more opportunities. And man, it's just the the thunder. Yeah. It's, it's scary times for sure. It's a good time to be an OKC fan, no doubt. Yeah,
1: no, I agree. J. Joe has made the most of his opportunity. Um, <clears throat> talking about a surprising player. My surprising player might not be as surprising, but the reason why I'm choosing him as the most surprising player to me is Donovan Mitchell. Simply because the narrative for the last two years with Utah is that he's not an impactful player to winning. Um, Even though the Utah Jazz were a winning regular season team. That's yeah.
0: I can't believe that was a right? part of the narrative. That's disgusting. It
1: wasn't, It was a, it, but you know that it was part of the narrative. Yeah, because, I mean,
0: the whole thing was like, can you win with them clearly you can can do something
1: there there's a lot of it that was um, warranted because of the fact that yeah he's a really good playoff performer but he was also super negative defensively Hmm. Um, higher turnover numbers high volume guy it's just what you would typically see from uh, a a high-volume guard with no defense, and oftentimes you look at those players as low-impact players to winning situations. And, you know, oftentimes he was seen as kind of like the black sheep with the Jazz because Rudy Gobert anchored that defense. They had really great role players all around them. Quint Snyder is seen as a great coach who's now with the Atlanta Hawks. So there was always this narrative around Donovan Mitchell that he's not as um, impactful of a player to winning. You move him from Utah to Cleveland. And Cleveland looks like a legitimate contender this year. Now, do I think they're going to win it? No, because I think they have major holes. We talked about this last episode. Like, the three spot is like... We joked about it. You already know what you're getting from Donovan. You know what you're getting from Garland. You know what you're getting from Mobley. Actually, no. I said Mobley was the X-Factor. You know what you're getting from Jared Allen. You already know what you're not going to get from Karis LeVert and Isaac Okoro.
0: Isaac Okoro could give you 20. Or he gave you five on 20 shots.
1: Well, he's definitely not my most surprising player. So <laughs> God, Donovan Mitchell has really elevated Cleveland. And listen, they are from, from the Cavs uh, for, sorry, from the 76ers, they're two and a half games back, but a 42 and 26 record fourth in the East, Um, you know, a lot of that is because of the fact that Donovan Mitchell has been a huge impact this year on both ends. Like he's really improved his defensive um, uh, rating on that side of the ball. So yeah, he's my most surprising guy because now you clearly see that everywhere he goes, he's going to be an impact. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that's my guy.
0: Well, one more, I just want to bring up, you know, I had to bring a homer pick here Brook Lopez, man. He yeah is potentially, I mean, today, he almost had a triple-double with blocks. Crazy. There's a chance he ties Dikembe Mutombo for the oldest player to win defensive player of the year. And I I think when you just look at it, I I talked about it last time, I feel. As much as we, I this is the last, I I said last time is the last time I'd throw it out, but just so kind of so the Celtic fan can hear it, you know, as much as we want to talk about how no Chris Middleton or whatnot, Brooke was definitely not healthy. When you looked at last year, definitely had a slow start. I mean, he missed the majority of the season, so kind of duh. But I definitely didn't expect him to be this productive at his, like, age 34 season. Because, you know, big man, 300-plus pounds, doesn't have the foot speed in general to begin with. But seeing how he's able to, like, still hang and still be a really, really good contributor. Because, I mean, I was looking at it. I think he's only he's only missed, like one or two games if that and not only that he's averaging the most points he has during his Milwaukee tenure you know most blocks most efficient and it's just it's beautiful to watch man Brooke Lopez I mean I hope they sign him to an extension this year you know I hope he retires a buck but uh, just just to bring real back the bias a little bit when you look at how Milwaukee's been defensively As much as you want to say, you know, Giannis is the best defensive player. Oh my gosh. (laughs) As much as you want to say, Giannis is like a dog defensively. Drew's a dog defensively. I feel like personally, especially with the fact that Milwaukee plays a lot of drop coverage. That engine doesn't go without Brooke. And you saw that last year. You saw how large part of like the defensive like flaw was and how they still played drop even without Brooke. And, you know, we're seeing now turning back the clock a little bit.
1: Well, yeah, Brook is for sure a surprising one because he went from being unhealthy to potential defensive player of the year candidate. So, I mean, there's there's kind of that's kind of a crazy jump if you really look at it. Mm. Like that's a that's a that's a really really good jump. Um, one guy I forgot, Aaron Gordon. He's been balling. Oh man, he's been huge. Yeah. Th- the Nugget success. That's all I gotta say. He's been one of the surprising players this year. He could have potentially been an All Star if there were just enough spots, but like. Yeah, he's been balling, man, on both ends. That's a solid contract,
0: too. I think he's only getting paid what twenty.
1: Yeah, that's a really fair contract. I mean, that's a bargain actually for the Nuggets, and he should definitely be paying, get paid more based on his production.
0: All right, let's let's uh let's flip the script a little bit. Who's been a player? Y'all have been like, man, thought this guy was gonna be the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. We we are we already kind of knew that though.
1: So let's not include him because everybody knows yeah. that he's the most disappointing. Okay. Hmm. What do you guys have at the top here? Most disappointing man. player. <laughs> this this
0: this hurts me, man. Well, let me see if I this hurts me as a Filipino. I think y'all can already tell it's this man right here. Whilst I uh,
1: oh oh sorry I I Houston, Rockets. Right. Houston Rockets, Houston Rockets
0: man cooked. Where's,
1: <laughs> at? Where's that? Where's no, He's man? like cooked. Bro, he's forever cooked, man. This, this is what I'm this, talking this about. This man right here. This man high right here. I, I, I love... No defensive guard.
0: Man. Actually, I can't even say I love, but... To be labeled... Because, you know, cause think about it like this. When a player drops 20, that's always like, yo, he's doing his thing. He's out there hooping. But when you're the least efficient 20-point scorer... Oh, there's some questions to be asked there. And you know, you can chalk it up to highlight culture, whatever it is. I, I love Jalen Green. I I think there's still potential for him to like be a solid dude, but it's just been very disappointing to see. And you could even loop the whole, like, I mean, we'll talk about next, the most disappointing team, but the Rockets are for for sure kind of like the poster child of that. I mean, it's crazy to see how there's just no type of cohesion there's no yeah there's no, there, yeah, there's no develop- they're, they're literally just like they they're playing the most expensive open runs in the entire in the entire
1: world oh,
0: they're, they're, they're literally they look for real there's there's no cohesion there's mm-hmm. no like defensive identity there's no offensive identity damn near it's it's just crazy to see and jalen green's a big catalyst of that i, I mean I feel like this was something we kind of expected looking back at the rookie season because think about it like this. He was kind of dog shit from he like was, as soon as he stepped in the Neither. league. all Neither. the Okay, that's just me being nice. The, when Worst. he stepped in all the way up until, you know, he was like pumping his chest a little bit post all-star break last 10 games, whatever or not. But man, how the fuck do you shoot basically 30% from the field?
1: That's disgusting, man.
0: Ben Simmons That's shoots better. better than that, probably. You know, let me let me let me compare the two. I'm I, I would bet it's uh, actually I've I have a streak of, <laughs> no yeah okay Ben ben, their dog, ben, wow. ben Simmons is brothers
1: are balling free throws,
0: dog. I don't know about that one. No, 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 okay. Frito, disregard that. <laughs> ben ben shooting 56% from the field. Jalen oh, Green.
1: I mean, I mean he's coming from within two feet.
0: True. But when you look at Jalen, man, is
1: I know. I mean, he's highly touted coming in with, like,
0: 41-33, that is, a, that is disgusting. Now, I, I will say this, as a little bit of a silver lining, I, I think, undoubtedly, majority of this can can be attributed to the fact that, you know, again, there's no structure, there's no real way of, like, there's no offense there. But we've seen how with Shang-Gun, you're you're kind of starting to unlock a little bit of a thing there. And if he could continue to develop, I, I think if you kind of let it mellow into like a Jokic type of situation, might have something cooking there for sure. But in order for that to happen, you really need something like, I mean, did did you guys uh, listen to the John Wall podcast with, uh, what's his name? About the Rockets? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with about the, the Rockets. Um, with Theo the, With Theo Pinson. Great yeah. podcast. But, man. It's crazy how you have somebody who's undoubtedly right. like.
2: How was now? your time in Houston, like trash? Oh, had a talking shit about Justin Houston. Patton. Yeah, yo, how was your time? Oh, yeah, Justin and
1: Patton. How was your time in uh, Houston, man? He like, caught
0: trash. the craziest stray. <laughs> yeah, craziest stray, man! <laughs> Holy,
1: Justin Patton. I'm like, man, bro,
0: that the the man made it. He he thought, you know set up a life <laughs> and then boom crazy and straight but to bring it back to jalen man there's just he's the kind of guy where you know he's giving you 20 or 30 how many shots is he taking
2: though he's giving you 20 but he's letting 40 drop on his head oh yeah that's true
0: oh yeah who 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 do y'all
1: got I mean you could say a bunch, but I don't want to because of injuries. Like I was gonna say BI, I was gonna say Lamello, but I, I think I'm gonna keep injuries out of this. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most disappointing players, um Russell Westbrook was an easy choice for me, but I think like that's kind of like a that's kind of like a system thing, and I don't wanna fault him entirely for that. Um but the one guy that I, I, I did have Uh, that's been really disappointing that I thought would have a much bigger impact is, well, there's two Dejounte Murray is, Mm. uh, is one that I thought like his, his impact and his ability to be such a utility knife, like on both ends. Like I thought that was going to translate to more success for the Hawks. And in Mm. fact, it hasn't. And it's done the opposite. And It doesn't look like he's a very good fit. Right. Um, The other guy I was going to say is Zach Levine. I just, don't know what's going on with him he's having as mid of a mid-off he's
0: been playing solid the past few games though yeah he has been again that's like five compared to what 60 plus games yeah
1: i mean he's an all-star i mean he was an nba all-star this year he's playing like you know a guy who just puts up 25 points and and calls it a day right he doesn't have the same impact as he had and you know, maybe that's maybe that's the same. Maybe he's a little bit overrated because a lot of his early success last year was because he was playing with a guy like Lonzo Ball who's setting the table, right? And then we saw when Lonzo went down, there was a lot of struggling on both ends. DeMar took on a huge load because then he had to play make and, um, anyways, yeah, most just dis- yeah, most disappointing I'd say so far it has to be Zach mean for me.
2: Mm. I think uh, for me, it's got to be Rudy Gobert. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think... Walker Gessler gives you just more and shooting Wow, dude. Honestly, bro. Like, I think Rudy Gobert, like, was just touted for such a long time as, like, this, like, indestructible force on defense. And, like, there are so many highlights from just this season alone where you can tell he's just, like, absent-minded on the floor. Like, Cooked. Like, he like, he does not know how to, like, show up on the floor when he's like in a different system like I get like he has only played on one team his whole career but I think you know it's the first season where he has his average like two blocks in a steal and he's not even average, averaging a full steal and he's averaging 1.4 blocks like if you're not literally doing the one thing you're known for like and kind you're kind of like, a useless basketball player he, like, exactly. I'm taking Frederick
0: point. Weiss over his ass man
1: yeah. oh
2: my god like, he's pretty much down on every single, like, statistic this year. And, I mean, that doesn't really even speak to, like, how that's kind of affected, you know, the team he actually plays for. Like, I think Minnesota would be in a much better position if he just wasn't there. Like, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it sucks because I'm – I would say, like, I was pretty big on him, like, and kind of his sort of, I think, ideology to the game because he was, like, kind of, I think, in comparison to, like, how – the center is looked at today he was a little bit more traditional just really being like you know pause on this but like big in the paint you know like he he, he was yeah. <laughs> like he just big you know um and i think like he's impregnable kind of d that. man it, yeah like impenetrable he's just uh yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> impregnable. I think, I think yeah he just kind of lost that identity and i don't know if it's coming back you know
0: and, yeah, yeah. Is it's been sad. Hey man, Mm-mm. he's a
2: traditional big with no traditional offense.
0: Oh shit,
2: <laughs> he's trash right now. Oh my man, goodness, man. Too, though, you know what though? He's got the
1: same downfall as DeAndre Jordan had.
2: Oh, yeah, true.
1: Oh! literally, at <laughs> DeAndre. Oh
0: my goodness, DeAndre man. Jordan,
1: y'all forgot about his name. That man was DeAndre Jordan, right? Jordan
0: owes his entire fucking salary to Christopher Emmanuel oh. Paul, man. Oh my <laughs> goodness. All NBA, these nuts, oh, man. man. Holy. Oh my goodness. Any other one y'all want to bring up? Man.
1: Um, see Cam Reddish. <laughs> Nah, Keep I'm his name
0: out your fucking mouth, Ruben. <laughs> yeah, come on, Keep his name out your fucking <laughs> mouth. Hey, Cam Reddish, <gasps> full off season with Dame. Shit, man, they might propel him to 30 wins. To
1: come back and average eight points, three rebounds, and two assists next season. My brother, it's he is four.
0: playing significantly better than that now. Come on now.
1: Yeah, boy, like nine points, four rebounds, and two assists with three turnovers.
0: La 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 la. Well, let me put see, you on.
1: I, I want to see how close I actually am. I'm probably so far out. What do you think he's averaging? I said nine, four, three, and two turnovers. Oh, generous. Fourteen.
0: Oh. I'm three with the Blazers
1: with and
2: the Blazers. three. Fourteen, 3, and three. Fourteen, 3,
0: and
1: three. So I got, the, I got the other stats right. How about hey, his turnovers?
0: That, that's turnovers. What did you say? Three.
1: Yeah, I said 3.
0: Nah, he doesn't handle the ball enough for that. 1.6. And Actually, he's shooting, I mean, he's if shooting he him basically per 40%. 40%. If you give him, him per
1: 36, probably like 3.9 or something like that. Something insane. But then his, his
0: points... 1.9, man! Keep his name out your fucking mouth, is, Ruben! Per 36,
1: 1.9? Per 36 is 1.9!
0: Wow.
1: Hey, Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish. Dog! I, I might have to buy a ticket to see you next year, brother.
0: Hell yeah! I still
1: over you.
0: Man, he got traded before. He got traded after I was there, man.
1: Want to see my boy? Who? Still watch him. You know
0: that's a fucking lie. M.
1: Hey, Forty is a European superstar.
0: Bro. European super.
1: Hey, man, Cameron Reddish started for the French national team.
0: Ricky Rubio was a fucking European superstar.
1: Yeah, and look where he's he starting for for the Spanish national team.
0: You can't. <laughs> you take any mid ass American player, you put him in Europe, and he's gonna be hooping not like Cam a Reddish. god. Not Cam
1: Reddish. No nah,
0: man, you put Cam Reddish. you put Cam Reddish on the French national team? Uh maybe he's not starting over Evan because of like tenure or whatever. Man, Evan Fournier. Or just gave a
1: skill M forty probably better. My brother, better shooter, you you did not offensive player.
0: Oh my goodness, he's not. He's not. I'm I'm not having this debate, man. All I know is next year, when Cam Reddish and the Portland Trail Blazers blaze their way to the seventh seed, I don't want to hear anything out your mouth. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: gonna find a way to bring up Cam Reddish versus Evan Fournier. Hell uh, yeah, WH. man!
0: <laughs> Cav- I'm, a, I'm a Cam Reddish truther, man. Even though I don't own his jersey. But okay, let's switch it-
2: <laughs>
0: Let's switch it off from players. Who would you guys say is the most disappointing? The Toronto kid? Raptors, uh, I of got course. The Toronto
2: Raptors yeah. on the list too, and the Bulls.
0: I, I can't lie. I-, I I know injuries are a thing, but the Pelicans have been so bad, even without like Zion, and the parts where they have Bi and Zion. I I, I think it's just. They were we talked one about in it. The West yeah, when they had
1: everyone. on paper, so I want
0: to say, on it's paper tough. they can That's win, tough. no doubt. I mean, when you look yeah. at it, everything they have, no doubt it works. But, I mean, you know, as much as we've seen the light, it's been very, very dim throughout the season. I mean, they're their own worst enemy at this point. I I, I hate to make this comparison, but it's almost like Lob City. Such yeah, a good you know roster, a lot of superstar players, a lot of guys that just work together, but just can't, can't keep it healthy. You know, you got... CP three, Blake Griffin, you got Bi and Zion, but the the ultimate silver lining is the fact that they had the Lakers pick this year, and uh, who knows, they might load up and might do something, some crazy shit during the draft or during the offseason in general.
1: I think they got one year left before they start making some real decisions mm. How about their roster, because like this was the number one team, but like I don't know if you can sit through another year potentially losing or injury trouble. I think you gotta get some stability. Um Yeah, I mean would we say across the board, one of the most
2: disappointing teams would have been the Raptors. Of course. Yeah.
0: I, yeah, I, I thought they'd at least be in like
2: I thought they'd be a six seed. Yeah, team.
0: I thought I thought they'd be around yeah. the six seed this year.
1: Yeah. Just um it hasn't worked. I think a lot of it has to, you know, fall on the- Well I mean <laughs> Sayujiri has not done a great job putting this roster together and addressing some of the needs they had year over year. uh, Because, you know, when Kawhi and Danny left, they never really addressed anything. And then when you went into Tampa, they didn't really address anything. You brought back, you brought Scotty Barnes in. You traded Kyle Lowry um, and got lucky in a deal of loyalty to get Precious Chua back. Mm. You know that you needed serious guard help, and you had a hole in the center, and you didn't bring back anyone. You're a whole year late before you finally made a trade for Jakob Pirtle, and a couple games too late for it to really matter um and then nick nurse's defense system has not worked all year long um for some reason they're not on a string this year the whole scrabble defense just doesn't work this year um and then the players like everybody's playing for contracts or playing for themselves uh so it, i mean they've been the most disappointing team to me at least in the league because everyone came in and saying well I'll look out for this team they're gonna be a top top 6-5 team like you guys are saying I think one of the most disappointing teams for me this year has definitely had to been. I said I said this year that they'd they'd be a top team in the West, and the Mavericks have not. One oh man, one player I forgot is Christian Wood. Man, he has not performed.
0: See, I don't. I don't know if I but put like, that on him though, man. I can't put that
2: on him. J- Jason kids, gonna... Jason kids, yeah. been
0: putting in some sh- shitty situations, man
2: his yeah. rotations have been weird I gotta it's say not it a system range. that i think he's thriving in because it's just like we i think we talked about this at some point in the podcast but like they're they kind of are very reminiscent of like the hardened houston era where luca mm. is just fucking holding that shit and you know what's it called uh christian would is just kind of expected to like pick up the trash when he's really yeah. not that Clint Capella ask He's he's like he really is like a three way score, but like he just like isn't getting that opportunity to be that person, you know. So, but I, I do agree. Like his okay. production has been, you know, disappointing. I, I I'm high on Christian Wood.
0: Man, he was. I think we all cooking are. All in Christ the beginning Christian of the truthers. year, man. Cooking.
1: Yeah. I think we're all Christian Wood truthers here. Like I really think he's got legitimate skill as a like a top three option in, in the league. Like
0: he he could be a twenty and ten guy. Option. 20-10. and 10.
1: That's what he was. That's literally what he was in the NBA. There's not very many guys you can sit here and say, oh, he was a 20-10 in one season. Like, no, nah, Christian Wood is literally that dude. I'm taking but, yeah,
0: Christian 100%. Wood over DeAndre Aiden, man.
2: Oh, really? Hell yeah. Oh, man. that's, that's Chin, a, are you
1: taking Christian Wood over DeAndre Aiden? That's am tough
2: I think, like...
1: If I'm the Raptors, I take Aiden. If you look at your team right now, you'd probably take Christian Wood. Because you got Lopez, and because I mean, it depends on fit. Like Christian would...
2: I think for my team, I would take like if it's for the Celtics, I'd probably take Aiden.
0: Here's the thing, man.
2: But no, no, Aiden. Sorry, go
0: on. A- Aiden doesn't even average twenty. Even if you, even if you look at his entire career, you take out the KD, you take out all that shit. Doesn't even average twenty. And I don't think he's. Let let, let me. Look this up before I'm spitting out my ass. I don't think There's he averages about double digits. Really stable,
2: yeah. about a- really
1: I-, I think, Aiden, Aiden, I think
2: Aiden. Aiden because of his like his size and frame, like, like in the Celtics situation, like yeah. they don't have that. You know, I Christian Wood is, in my opinion, more of a true four than he is a five. Like, mm, that's fair. I would agree with that. That's yeah, fair. I I don't think you'd take him for his defense at all because he's not like. Well, uh, let's be real here.
1: You he don't take it for his defense at all either. Though. Yeah. Ain't <laughs> a
0: shit on the. De- <laughs> I don't
1: know. I, I mean, it's a fair point, though. Fair point, Shin. Like, I, yeah, I think
2: Christian, like, Christian Wood is definitely a true four. Size I mean, does matter in this situation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, size does. They're matter. both 6'11. When nah, but, but
0: we're talking yeah, about the pounds. Yeah. Pow, is that, yeah? Just, but let, it, let's be real just, here. Yeah. On the blacktop, 11 0 Christian Wood, man. Well, yeah, yeah. Christian Woods whipping boy, that boy. No.
2: Christian Woods cooking him, bro. He's cooking him. Yeah, the Mavs have been disappointing though. Dude, I said they were gonna be a top three team man, this
1: year, man.
0: man. Christian Wood could be the third option. I, I, I think that's really what the team's missing. That they, they need a guy who takes away, who's able to like create his own offense outside of all the dribble, 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 dribble bullshit. And. I feel like kids trying to like implement some of that. But I, I think as you alluded to in the last podcast, Ruben, they're, they're really trying to like, they're trying to have their kick and eat it too when it comes to defense. You know, they, they just, quite just literally probably have. Offense, yeah. Man. Like on paper, their on. backcourt's probably the worst defensively.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not even a question.
0: So, you know, you, you need to put, you need to let my <laughs> boy, you need to let my boy in there let them come off the pickins, the pick and pops. Let them catch a few lobs here and there and shit shit's going to be super sweet.
1: I don't I like that's what I don't understand about the team is because they 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 fully invested in going 3-point shooting and spreading the floor last year and that's where they found success and then they ultimately found uh, a formula defensively which was just um, pressuring up um uh, switching everything and then uh, on misses just push the pace. Um and they found a lot of success doing that last year. Sometimes your your defense is is your best defense, is your offense, and if you can come down and get that basket back quick, sometimes, um, it's 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 depending on if your opposing team can keep up with the same output that you're you're also playing with. And I think Dallas is just kind of like I don't know, I think they messed a little bit too much with what was working. I think uh, they're a separate, they're a different uh, situation than what the Raptors did. Is like. The Raptors are sticking with something that doesn't work, as opposed to the Dallas Mavericks, who are fixing something that's not broken. And in the process, they mm, broke
0: it. Good analogy. Yeah.
1: So it's, you know, that's how I, I look at the Mavericks, but they should have been a way better team this year. I think the Kyrie trade was a really good opportunity for them. But I think they could have been a really good team with Dinwiddie and TFS. And four, I don't think it's they like
0: really they just... were strapped for cash to pay Brunson, no? From what I remember. No, they offered they were yeah.
1: offered him the, the, the max. It's just Brunson wanted to
0: play. A little more the opportunity. Yeah, I feel that. Shit should have gave, gave Rick should have gave Rick Brunson coach. that job, man.
1: Yeah. So but
0: I right, let's head to some happier things. What what would you guys say is like the best story from this
1: year? Sacramento Kings.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah, true. I think what i have here like written down is that this season has been a testament to the idea that team chemistry wins games
0: Mm, i like that
2: if you look at like pretty much all the top teams you know minus i guess the suns because they picked up kd like every team here has been pretty much a well-oiled machine over the last few years like the kings obviously made that move last season to bring in DeMontis Sabonis, but even without that, like they've trusted in De'Aaron Fox and trusted the process in him. The Nuggets have been pretty much the same team for the last how many years? Since and the Aaron... bubble,
0: low yeah. key, outside yeah. of like the Aaron Gordon thing.
2: And we already know the KGB. Bucks. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And we know the Bucks and Celtics are both homegrown teams practically. Like, I think it's like the nicest thing to see in the NBA because it kind of shows that this is probably the route I think a lot of people will be going especially when you kind of even see the trades being made, like, you know, not to backtrack, but I think that Kyrie trade me personally, like that's just going to blow up in the Mavericks face. Yeah, I Kyrie's not going to go back. He, he's a one-year loner and like, they're, they're just going to be fucked because they don't have anyone around. Luka. Like that's going to be the story. And I think there's going to be lots of that in the NBA. Like if people continue to like give up a ton for players. Um, and so these formulas of like playing through the drafts or like, growing through the draft i think is going to become more and more relevant um so that's been like my favorite story is just to see like all like the teams that are homegrown continuing to play well
0: mm, i like that yeah for, for me I, like
1: that. I mean you can see that sorry i just wanted to oh, go ahead Ruby. you can see that with teams that have struggled like the warriors were one of the worst teams in, in the west and look where they're now <laughs> they sixth in yeah, the west exact. and then just sometimes you just gotta stick with your guns um, the Raptors are clearly not a team that have reflected that, but they're the one anomaly. Um, I think the Knicks, too, right? They've kept roughly the same roster yeah, you just had Brunson, absolutely. but like they've had the same roster. To, like, Tom Thibodeau has been there, and the Knicks have found a lot of success. Um, yeah, like let's look at it. Kings, roughly same team, other than adding some mm-hmm. bonus. The Nuggets, the Grizzlies, no, The Grizzlies, their sons I... are there, yeah. right? Like the Grizzlies, like we could talk about. That's a whole nasty, and that's, that's literally a, that's a squad straight from the tree, bro. Squad that's yeah. straight from the tree. The Warriors, um, and then you look down, down like the teams on the other half of the Western Conference. It's all the teams that were built off of trades. Lakers, um, the Wolves. Yeah, exactly. So that's a great point, Shin.
0: I love that. No, that. that's it and then Ruman kind of set it up for me. Talking about the Warriors. My my best story is shout out to my mother. She loves this man dearly. It's her favorite player. Clay is back. You know, Clay Thompson's having yeah. a career year by all stretches of the means. I mean I think you attribute a lot of that to the fact that this is first like off season where there's no recovering. You know, he's a big reason why the Warriors stayed afloat with Curry out. And I think you just hope that they're able to get a good rhythm heading into the playoffs. Today wasn't really a good uh sign of that, but you know there's you can it's not crazy to say nobody's ever beat this core healthy and and I think when you look at the potential of the roster, it's definitely shaky. I'm not gonna say like yeah they're they're coming out the west for sure, but it's one of those things where time and time again they could be 40 and I'd still maybe pick them to win a game or two and when you look to a lot of that Clay is a big reason for that because I mean Mark, Mark Jackson man the truth probably probably took a lot of smoke saying what he did like, like decades ago but lo and behold that shit's ringing true and you know it's just great to see it because I mean it was crazy to see the disrespect that Clay got because it was like you know, Clay Day, everybody was on his dick. Everybody's, you know, hopping on the, hopping back on the train. And then, boom, shoots like 30% to start the year. And then, boom, coming back into the start of this year, not off to the hottest of starts. And I think just seeing him just constantly fight back that adversity is just not a testament to him as, like, a basketball player, but him as a man. You know, I, I think there's going to be movies made about him for sure. And... It's just crazy to think that, you know, he's like fully back after having two like, if you put it like, not even ten years ago, probably career-ending injuries, almost.
2: Yeah.
0: Man, it's I mean, great to he's see he's Clay shooting,
1: He's still shooting forty-one percent from three this year.
0: Wait, what's That's the percent. volume at too? He's he's shooting like hey, probably he's, twelve he's a game, 10, right? He's, yeah, he's, he's,
1: uh, he's stroking that. He's He's yeah, a kazo. Most makes this year. And most makes on average this year. Um, if I'm not mistaken, as well, this is his third highest scoring average um, wow. of his career under the 16 and 17 seasons. Actually, he's tied with. I think February his best scoring record.
0: Yeah, I, I think February, February this year was like his career high. No, I think I saw something what did like he that. Have? Yeah, he was averaging like 26 I mean, or something. I think.
1: Yeah, he's got well. He's averaging twenty two point one, which is actually tied oh, for yeah. second best of his career. So I mean, yeah, he's having a hell of a year. Um, and he's definitely doing a lot more work, uh, from the three point line. I think that, um, you know, a lot of what his explosiveness and his rhythm is lost, especially when he loses a lot of time off the court like that. Um, especially when an injury that he faced and multiple injuries so uh, it's been nice to see the adjustment has been made to his game but he's still finding that success it's just too bad because he was that three level score where he was a guy that could post up in the mid post off the mid range off dho's and he was more explosive coming off those screens and all those um secondary actions but like the fact that he's been able to adapt and just be purely a lot of guys like you know off the three-point thread and, and um off pull-ups on the three-point line I mean, bro the volume is crazy like you really think about 10 three-pointers a game like that's that's obviously his most of his career um but still finding success the fact that he's shooting 10 of them things, and he's still averaging 40 percent from three um yeah i'm just glad to see that he's found success and like despite having to adjust his game quite a bit um and i think he's a huge part as to why the Warriors stayed afloat with with missing oh, yeah. so much time Damn, he's playing all-star level basketball,
0: man. Yeah, not to, not to backtrack too much, but man, if we want to talk about disappointing players, Jordan Poole, I, I think, is one. But not to take away from Clay, yeah. but man, Clay is Clay is back. Back, I think that you know, it's crazy to think that Curry's what 37, thirty-seven, thirty-six. There's still like, I, uh, I, I don't think it'd be crazy to say they got at least like two more years of being like highly competitive, especially if they tweak the roster around a bit, get like some veteran presence for sure
1: yeah yeah 100 percent. oh
0: and another surprising player you know the villanova boys the the former buck dante Divincenzo, i think is another big reason they've been able to you know keep the ship uh keep the ship afloat for sure mm-hmm. but right we we got a couple more to get through here we might be able to just speed through these but uh, i don't want to just say the word best rookie but who would you guys say has been like the most impressive rookie for you so far
1: What an honest answer for me. (laughs) What an honest answer for me. Let's hear it. I I don't give a damn about the rookie class this year. Damn, really? (laughs) I like this class. I like this class. Except except for Benedict Mathurin.
0: Canadian boy, man. Yeah.
1: Uh, Jalen Williams is having a really nice upward season. I mean, he's really, his trajectory throughout this year with OKC, um, heck of a uh, have a growth spurt in terms of his game just growing throughout the year. Um, Paolo Big Carroll has been pretty solid all throughout the year but he's kind of he's kind of hit a bit of a rookie wall right now. Yeah,
0: anything anything outside like outside of the painted area uh that's that's kind of sus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh,
1: and and. yeah, this rookie class has been really hard to pay attention to if, I, if I'm not going to lie to you guys. Really? I like I'm not going to yeah.
0: lie I like this class. I mean I feel like it, it already reminds me of
1: that 13 class, which is like a good, good solid collection. Of players.
0: Wait, the, the 13, that's is That's like, come on now. Yeah, it's, Giannis and, it's Giannis, and then it's like
1: everybody else. It's, not, what, it's not that. Like it class. is.
0: It's come on, bro. Class. You can't put There's that class, class. Up, up front with Anthony Bennett.
2: I gotta search this up now. Just oh, to... it might
1: be. Sorry, sorry. It was a 14 class. My bad. The 14. There was one class in there where everybody thought that these guys were going to be money team, and they ended up being dollar team.
0: <laughs> Dang. I, I like this class. I mean, you got, a, you got a decent crop of guys who've been like all been playing solid minutes. I mean, for me, the guy I picked was Keegan Murray. You know, I, I think he's the best rookie when it comes to playing winning basketball. You know, no one shoots as good as him at the same volume for a rookie. Able to guard multiple positions, and and I think he's almost like a Macal Bridges, and he can definitely develop into something like that. But he, him, and uh, Kevin Herder, I think, are really, really big reason why the Kings have been able to be successful. You know, Fox and Sabonis aren't three point threats by any means, but by again, the gravity that those two are able to create gives them just that extra bit of daylight and when you got deer and Fox, you don't need that much to make something beautiful happen.
1: Sorry, I lied about Ricky. There's one in particular. I already mentioned his name earlier, but I love him. Walker Kessler. True. Come on now, Walker Kessler. I love absolutely love him. I absolutely love him. Oh my god, I love him. He's so good. Like, defensively. Like, the impact that he has on the defensive end, and then he's a guy that can spread the floor. <coughs> super skilled on the offensive end. Um, I think he's got all-star potential. I actually really enjoy watching Walker up on the Jazz. Like he's so good. I mean, I think he could, be, he could almost be, go be like. Go bear with offense.
0: Man, he could even be. Oh
1: uh... man! <laughs> Shit, man! If oh,
0: he put I some more weight him. on him, he could be a fucking better Brook Lopez, low key.
1: Mm. Well, he definitely won't have a
0: DeAndre Jordan fall. Nah, because Walker Kessler actually plays basketball, man. (laughs) And he just catched fucking 19-0. That's far as hell, yo. He actually
1: plays basketball. That's crazy.
0: That's crazy. Well, let's be real, man. DeAndre Jordan's got the easiest job in the NBA right now. Fucking backing up Jokic
1: still
0: on the roster? Actually, he might not be, now that you mentioned. (laughs) But, last one. Last little superlative we got. Who would you guys say has been the best off-season pickup?
2: I actually have a pretty, like, unorthodox answer. Or not unorthodox, but one that maybe I personally think you guys maybe didn't put down. But I personally think KCP for the... Mm.
0: the, the Yeah, I like that.
2: Like a pickup. Like, I I wouldn't say maybe it's the best offseason pickup, but I think he has been, like, the glue guy on that team. Like, you know, aside from how good Aaron Gordon has obviously propelled to this season, I think he has been, like, what he was for, what, that 2020 Lakers team? Like, I think he is pretty much emulating that game, like, being a defensive, like, minor guard. Like, I think he has the most fouls for... The Denver Nuggets, but I think that attests to just him being present on the defensive floor. And I think that's something they didn't really have like in their kind of roster makeup for a long time. And I think the Denver Nuggets have been much better as a defensive team this year. So yeah, I think that's my best offseason pickup person.
0: That's a good pick. I like that. Who we got, Ruben?
1: Um I got two. I'm gonna just talk about I'm just gonna get the the, the big name out of the way is Jalen Brunson. I mm. think he's by far been the best Mm, offseason yeah. free agent that's made a huge impact. MIP, there. man. MIP. No, I, man, he's been awesome. Like, you can't... There's really nothing more to say about Jalen Brunson. Like, he proved all the critics this year to be like, oh, well, can he actually run a team by himself now? They're fifth in the East. The Knicks look like they actually could make some noise in the playoffs this year. I mean, they're a tough play, team to play. And uh, Jalen Brunson is the engine that makes that thing go. I think the other one that I really want to say is another guy that I... It, Long Christian's route, like another player that you don't really think of. And I think he should be in the six-man-of-the-year conversation. It's Malik Monk.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Awesome for Sacramento. And he should definitely be the six-man-of-the-year conversation. And and on the east side, I would say the same thing for Mac and Brogdon for the Celtics, even though he struggled with injuries here and there. He's been a really good player for the Celtics too. So <clears throat> just those two guys aside from uh, the clear cut for me.
0: I don't know. Six men. I got a question for you, Ruben. Who's got the most double doubles off the bench this year?
1: Is it Bobby Portis?
0: Fuck yeah, it's Bobby Portis. Yeah,
1: I know. Of course, Bobby Portis has been awesome this year. There's no doubt. Like, he struggled with injuries this this year too, right? Yeah,
0: like, he he's, he's just coming off of like I think it was like a two or three week layoff. Yeah.
1: No. Portis should be in that conversation every year, as long as. Mm.
0: I think last year, he, he he had a good chance, but then obviously with the whole Brook thing, he got knocked out of like contention. But yeah, no, Malik Monk, super solid pick. I mean, just the fact that you have that story of him and Fox, the backcourts back together. And he's like yeah. the perfect six man, I feel. He's in that mold of like he can create his own offense, gives you a little sprinkling of playmaking. And it's crazy how... The Lakers just let him walk because he was like their third best player last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they were going to afford him for the, the the price point that he got with the Kings. Yeah, I guess he's hindsight's everything. But he certainly got yeah. the bag. He certainly got the bag, and um, I'm glad he ended up with the Kings because, like, he got the bag, and he's in a great situation where he's mm. playing impactful minutes. I and mean, there was always a question about him, right? A guy coming from Charlotte. I mean, when the Lakers signed him, there was a lot of, like, if-hands-or-butts if, about him. Like, is he... Even an NBA player. And, like, you know, he's proven it so far that he's, he's, you know, he's one of the best offseason pickups for sure.
0: Uh, yeah. For me, it's another guy in the Kings. I think Kevin Herter, you mm. know, healthy. Yeah. He's only missed three games so far this season. He was a big sleeper heading to the season for me. I mean, again, like I said about him and Keegan Murray, his shooting, especially with the fact that you can tell there's a lot of those same, like, Golden State sets in, uh, In Mike Brown's offense, there's a lot of those, like, coming off flare screens, dribble handoffs, all that good stuff. And, I mean, do y'all remember at the beginning of the season, he was shooting, like, 51% from the three? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, Kayvon is a, Kayvon's a dog. And I don't want to, like, fully cement him as, like, in the mold of a Clay Thompson, but the way he plays the game, how he gets open on a lot of his shots... Definitely not a defensive end, but from the offensive standpoint, there's a lot of similarities, I think. And, you know, when you look at uh how he's been playing this year, there's a lot more confidence. I, I feel like when you look at his Atlanta uh, tenure, it was a lot of, like, trying to fit into a role, trying to, like, not step on Trey Young's toes to an extent. But now you see here Mike Brown. It's a good free-flowing offense. There's two guys that can really help distribute the ball, and Kevin Herter is, like, Really, really bearing the fruits of a lot of that, I feel. Yeah.
1: I mean like I think the the Sacramento Kings did a lot of things right in the off season. Right?
0: I think I think like we all own. said they we they had a really, really good offseason. I'm not gonna lie, I think they had the best offseason yeah. high key.
1: Yeah, I think we did say that. I mean i think we did oh i think well we mix that in with the clippers we were saying a lot about the clippers yeah yeah they added coven and, and but i will agree like they did a lot of things right this past offseason starting with mike brown he set the culture he doubled down on that duo that you have kevin Herter, league bunk awesome pickups they drafted really well with keegan murray um yeah and i think they're they're solid um one off-season pickup, and correct me if I'm wrong, if he was an off-season pickup or he just managed to find his way in the rotation. But I would say a lot of the reason why the Suns have been able to stay afloat despite not having Jay Crowder a lot or, um, uh, the lack of depth is Josh Okoye. Max, man, yeah, oh, I'll,
0: I'll, I'll look awesome.
1: that up. I mean, he's he's been really good, man. He's been he's been such a st- stabilizing, um factor for the Suns, like on both ends of the floor shooting the ball really well he's taking most of the time the best defensive assignment um or the toughest defensive assignment sorry so he's been really good man um
0: yeah he signed yeah, a vetman yeah. in, in the yeah. in july
1: yeah he's he's um you know not getting enough praise but clearly he's been able to be a, a contributing factor to that team
0: I like that, yeah, man. Joshua Koji's been hooping for them for sure, and and I think they talked about a lot on uh, the last. I think it was in the during the Mavs games where they talked about how Monty Williams has really empowered him, and you've seen that where the the few spot starts he's had to make, he's been super solid. And you know, again, I was somebody who was like, ah, the depth looks a little wonky, but Joshua Koji's definitely a guy who uh, really contributes to that, and I mean. He's, I think, the perfect kind of bench player that you need for that team. A guy who's going to shoot the ball, play some super solid defense. I mean, uh, he's probably got one of the best defensive highlights of uh, the season. 100%.
1: 100%. I mean, again, like, it's just about having the right role players that can help you stay afloat, you know. And with losing McHale Bridges and Cam Johnson... And how he's having one of the best stretches of his career so far. Mm. Uh, it's just a testament to the work he's put in, and, and it's just like <clears throat> also a testament to Monty Williams, like you just mentioned, like empowering your players with confidence, and like Joshua Kogi has been really has really stepped up to the plate. And again, no Jay Crowder, but you have a guy like him stepping on. Like you, you know, you obviously have to look back and be like, man, we made the right decision.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, anything else you all want to bring up? Whatever it's like, I don't know. Ruben, if you want to gloat about the 2022 draft class, whatever it may be.
1: I want to gloat about it or I just want to forget about it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. I'll gloat about the 23 draft class. That's why, you know, I'm really excited for the Spurs to get on my Oh,
0: I want it to be a Hornet, man. I can't lie. I wanted to be oh, I don't want
1: nothing with him to do with the Hornets, man. Michael Jordan can't lead a team for his, for his life, his life depended <laughs> on him.
0: <laughs> Shit, man, he so, probably pick my... Scoot if they got the first pick.
1: <laughs> bro, he's he's the goat on the court, and the sheep off the court, bro. <laughs> Shout
0: out Michael K. Girl, Chris, man. Uh, wait, before we go though, Ruben, man, <laughs> I, I, I think you're the you're the one team out of us that has like. It's gonna have like at least a decent draft pick. Well, I, I don't know about where the Celtics are at, but the Bucks definitely don't have any. But who's uh who are some of the guys that you're looking at for the Raptors to draft?
1: I I haven't done fair to be to give a fair assessment of who I haven't really looked at all the draft prospects. I usually do that closer to the draft.
0: Mm. I mean, um, we got March Madness coming. It's hard though. Us oh, I guess a little like little yeah. side note. Being in Canada, it's super hard to follow NCAA like basketball. It is
1: re- it's, it's very, very difficult hard. Yeah. so most of the time I follow a lot of uh, a lot of college analysts and mm. uh, most of the time they share their prospect boards so I'll just follow that uh, but I'll do a lot of my study here closer to the draft because then you get like really in-depth insight and, and packages are put together players but uh, one guy I love is Amen Thompson Thompson's oh
0: god there, looking nice yeah. oh my
1: god it's Amen Thompson man oh, get that guy in the Raptors bro <laughs> that guy's insane um, I could easily say, like, yeah, give me, um, you know, give me Scoot and Wembenyama, but I don't think the Raptors. I think a guy be that that's being,
0: uh, I've seen a number of mock drafts heading to you is Jalen Hood-Shafino. He looks good, big guard. I've not seen him yet. Multi-level scorer, yet. plays defense, looks good. But now, nah, uh, we really appreciate y'all making it this far. If you got to this point, for sure, leave a like. You know, comment, whatever it means. Five stars if you listen to the audio version. Boys, y'all got any last comments to get in? Stroke that thing, Kazo.
1: Nothing left for me to say, but LeBron James is the GOAT.
0: I can't lie. After he passed Kareem, I I think it's equal. I I don't Uh, think there's a separation.
2: Yeah, it's it's a 1A, 1B, but he won't be.
1: Yeah <laughs> oh. another conversation. Bring that to the black top, yo, With goats conversation. Okay, this,
0: I don't want to make this him. a I don't want to make this a whole full drawn out thing. That's a thing where it all depends on who gets first ball. Cause whoever gets first ball is not giving that fucker up.
1: Oh man, LeBron's dominating everybody. Is he though? <laughs> is he though? LeBron, yo, give him the ball LeBron. in the post, man. He's 6'9 260. On the black Giannis top. is
0: working that ass. What do you mean? Oh,
1: he's not in the good conversation yet. Yeah. He's not. If he's giving us the four options, he's not in there yet. Yeah. It's Kobe Mike, LeBron.
2: Who's the fourth guy? Kareem's gonna get his ass. I mean, Kareem. Kareem. In, uh, I mean if we're <laughs> talking about like, if we're talking go to the blacktop, I would never put Kareem on there. Uh, I mean, yeah, hell no. Kareem was playing
0: like, at what 220? If that?
2: Jamal Crawford's cooking him, bro. <laughs> Jamal Crawford's is, cooking Kareem. I think the truth is KD is cooking everyone. Like every single person. Yeah. Like, like that one but, video yeah. still that like USA combine of like the one dribble. Like
0: <laughs> Oh, he worked like, Paul George's Miller. ass, wasn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah. There's nobody. He fucking worked him. Is. There's no guy. way. He
1: should never be in this blacktop discussion because I think like, all three of us would just yeah. never be... <laughs> yeah, what just are you argue? about it? We would just be like, oh, KD against... Uh... Yeah, you already lost right there.
0: <laughs> what about Mello?
1: Nah, i take No, 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 oh,
0: no, not, not, not over KD, obviously, but like in general. Oh, He's another was, one, one I think with would be...
1: Gen Zers we're talking about Carmelo Anthony, the real Melo. Oh my
0: goodness! <laughs> I can I I would never. Lamelo hasn't done yeah, but, shit to earn I- that name.
2: I don't I'll never call him Melo, bro.
0: Hell no, man.
1: He's Lamelo Ball. Melo is Carmelo Anthony. Let's Carmelo that. Anthony,
0: man. Just sign a contract Ooh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. Get your ring, my brother. Yeah,
1: man. Carmelo Anthony and KD would be an interesting one. If, if if we were to throw like the the forwards conversation there, T-Mac, KD, uh Carmelo, who's another top scorer that was like like, uh, Forward. like you, I mean you could throw Paul George in there. Paul george got a bag.
2: Paul George's got a bag. Man. Paul George's got a bag. Paul
0: George just has a little bit of a decent roster. The Heatos ain't shit,
2: man.
1: That's oh man seven oh that, bro yeah I agree with that man. He, he willed he willed a team
0: with fucking Roy Hibbert. oh Roy, Roy Hibber
1: was so good Roy, back then though
0: Roy Hibbert made an All Star team averaging like eleven points
1: but he was oh my God but he was so good defensively he changed yeah the way the was he was
0: I David West the was
1: dropped the super drop coverage they played super mm-hmm. drop coverage. Because like, they were because their wings were able to recover, like Paul George was able to fight over screens, and when he got clipped, he was still able to look at all blocks. They changed yeah. the way the game was played that time. David West
0: but, was was oh David West was a good okay, guy. Okay, he was half team. broken, bro.
1: He was still M- cooking, he was, M- still was, cooking. Broken, but he, was yeah, he was cooking, he was cooking, he was cooking for sure. Lad Steven Stevenson was Lad Stevenson, man. last
0: you know, we want to talk about Morris Peterson, the Kobe stopper, whatnot. Lad Stevenson's the LeBron stopper, man, unequivocally.
1: God, Lance, Lance, make him dance.
0: But with that, like this to has been another episode be. of the Black Top Podcast. We appreciate y'all. Stay safe. Future. Stay blessed. We'll see y'all soon.
1: I agree with you, Jen. Back shots, back shots, back shots.
0: Stroke that thing, Kazo. Oh.
2: Nah, honestly, Kawhi would be so underrated on the black.